This is the Australian Hunting Podcast, hunting, shooting and fishing radio on the AHP Digital Radio Network. Visit us at australianhuntingpodcast.com.au. Sit back, relax and enjoy. Here's the host of the show, Jason Selms. Welcome back to AHP. Thanks for joining me. I do appreciate your time. Today I've got a great show with Chris Shortus and Chris versus the Victorian Police Commissioner. Now, a few years ago, uh, Chris made some videos uh, in regards to his religious beliefs. Uh, He had a prop of a firearm in the background. Police then allegedly want to take away his firearms license under the guise that he is not a fit and proper person. So today we're going to talk to Chris about what the issues were, what happened. As a lot of you know, I deal with a lot of this stuff at the tribunal in regards to looking up a lot of these cases uh, and what constitutes a fit and proper person. And also what the legislation is that if someone is over the age of 18 years old, they don't have a criminal record they have a right to have a firearms license there's no question about that they have a right to have a firearms license there's been several cases in new south wales uh, where the police have taken away someone's license because they didn't like the look of them they just didn't like them they don't think they're a fit and proper person in all those cases the police commissioner lost and in one situation even the member of the tribunal has said you have to give this guy his firearms license back. He has a right to a license, uh, and that's what happened. So this is that story. Again, this podcast is not about you know politics, religion, the religion of politics. Chris obviously discusses uh, certain religions in this podcast, which he's entitled to do. Uh, this is about hunting, shooting, and fishing, and about the police and their overstretched powers in regards to what constitutes a fit and proper person. So that's what I want to concentrate on the show. Uh, I hope you guys enjoy it. So without further ado... Let's get into my interview with Chris Shortus. Hey, everybody, it's Tom Knapp. And if in case you're listening to the Australian Hunting Podcast, I'm here to tell you we've got a big show coming up here. So put on your radio, put on your headphones, get it going because we're coming on. All right, Chris Shortus, welcome to the Australian Hunting Podcast, mate. Thanks for joining me. Do appreciate your time today. And thank you for having me on your show, Jason. No worries, mate. First off, I want to find out who is Chris Shortus. Tell us about yourself, mate. Uh, I guess you're a firearms owner as well, so just like me, I'm not sure if you do a bit of hunting, shooting. Just tell us about yourself, mate, a bit of history about yourself. Oh, okay. Well, I'm 45 years old, been married uh, um, 18 years, and... Uh, I enjoy my recreational shooting, got my license uh, 10 years ago for my long arms. Three years ago, I got my handgun license, and uh, I do enjoy a lot of shooting and reloading and that sort of stuff. And um, yes, uh, I just love it. I think uh, civilian firearm ownership is a good thing. And uh, obviously, my personal uh, life at the moment is intrigued with the state. So um, the police have uh, given me sort of a hard time and... uh, you know, it's hard to uh, actually express yourself these days without, you know, earning the ire of the state. Yeah, we'll get to that a little bit later. But mate, where, where'd you grow up, mate? Where, where do you sort of live now? Where'd you grow up? And uh, how did you get into, uh, you know, firearms? Was it a family tradition, no? Or you just got into it yourself because you enjoyed it? Do you remember that time when you just thought, yeah, I'm going to get into this shooting business. I don't mind this. This looks pretty cool. Oh, look, I, look I've, already, I've always uh, sort of loved firearms, but I, I guess when I got my license at first, you know, I was in a pretty good place in life. I met my wife and all that sort of stuff, and, and uh, you know, life was pretty cruisy because, of, you know, we were employed, we were just building a life together, and, you know, I thought, no, I'm going to, you know, get into shooting. I wanted it to do for years, and, um, you know, I started, and my first rifle I bought uh, 10 years ago um, back in a... I grew up in Vermont uh, for the first... Uh, 20 years of my life. I spent three years in WA, then I came back uh, in 96, and then I met my wife in <laughs> 98, it was, and um, that was at the church. That was the irony. And um, <laughs> Nice. <laughs> and uh, so we, uh, uh, you know, got married in 2003, but it wasn't long after that, you know, I think it was about 2000 or six or something, I decided to get my firearms license because I wanted to get it. My first rifle was the Howard 1500-243, stainless synthetic. So, um, And then later on, some other toys came along. I briefly had a 30-30 there for a while, lever action in a Marlin, 
336 and then got myself a shotgun. Well, shotgun, uh, shotgunning really didn't really do it for me because I'm more of a rifle shooter because I like uh, shooting downrange and, and all that sort of stuff. So um, then I got myself my favourite toy, which is still my favourite toy today. Um, I ended up buying a, a Ruger M77 Mark II and a 338 Winchester Magnum. And uh, I, I, that's probably my favourite gun, to be honest with you. But um, three years ago, I just decided to, um, you know, I'm up here in Wallen, Victoria today, up in the country, a uh, very rural setting. Um, I decided to get into my handgun shooting because our club facilities is only 15 minutes up the road. And um, I own a 686-357 Magnum and a Smith & Wesson 9mm MMP Pro Series. Nice. So, and uh, and I, I really enjoy my reloading. I just love reloading too. I like uh, reloading my own ammunition and that. And um, look, we're really getting into some really good uh, club shoots where it involves competitions and that sort of stuff. And yeah, you know, I think it's a lot of fun handgun shooting, to be honest with you. Yeah, do you do you reload for all your calibers? I don't mind. Who doesn't enjoy you know sitting out in your garage? You know, tinkering around, polishing the guns, you know, wiping them down with a bit of gun oil. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I quite enjoy it, that. I quite enjoy that on a Saturday morning or a Sunday yeah. morning, just relaxing. Absolutely. It's, it's a great fun. I actually reload for all of them. I reload for my 243. Uh, the best little pill out of that is an 85-grain high-point Sierra uh, with 43 grains of powder 2209, of the AR 2209. Yeah. Um, I reload a 250-grain pill for... Uh, my three three eight using sixty three grains of AR twenty two oh nine powder, and um, I shot at uh, Little River just using my bipod um, a three leaf clover at a hundred meters with the three three eight, and that was before I put my muzzle brake on it. So um, it, yeah, the, the Sierra makes some really good projectiles, and I reload for my three fifty seven Magnum. I, I reload some you know what would be equivalent to rifle rounds with the three fifty seven Magnum. Um, Levers because I'm um, sort of put what uh, 2205, uh, 19.4 grains into it. So when I let the 357 Magnum go off at the club, it makes a bit of noise. So, yeah. <laughs> Mate, so, what um, about um, your family, mum and dad? They Were they shooters? No? Yeah, my dad had uh, years ago, he had firearms, um, but he just sort of um, gave them up. My uncle was actually into. Um, which is my dad's brother, my uncle's into uh, shooting comps, rifle comps, that sort of thing. He had trophies and that sort of stuff. So, yeah, there's always, there is a bit of a family connection there. And, um, yeah, look, I've just taken it up and I just love it. I just think it's a, a healthy discipline for any uh, man or woman to take up. And, and shooting is a very good discipline and I think more people should participate in it. Mate, when you were obviously with your wife, you said you weren't shooting before you met your wife, yeah? Yeah. Okay, so when, obviously, you, you, you came home and you thought, I don't know, what you might have said, a gun magazine or something on YouTube. I don't even think YouTube was on back then, I don't think. But um, you, you obviously saw something and you said to the missus, listen, I, I want to sort of get into this hunting or shooting or, you know, whatever it may be. What was her first thoughts on that? Oh, she was a little bit apprehensive um, at first, uh, but because at that time my stepsons were very young. But uh, once... Um, she saw me in the way that I was quite particular in my safety and my storage and all that sort of stuff. Um, and then she watched me one day because I brought the boys home and, and I put I laid out a couple of rifles on the bench and I was just going to test them and uh, um, I got them to come here and my younger son actually walked in front of the barrels and I, said, and I pulled him aside and I said, you should never do that. You must watch your muzzle. Even though this gun is unloaded, never deliberately walk in front of barrels. So... I was actually teaching them, you know, the uh, safety issues about muzzle safety and all that sort of stuff. And and my missus was quite impressed with that. And she goes, you know, what? Well, I'm very comfortable with you having guns because, you know, you're anally safety with it. You're very conscious and, uh, you know, and we should be, as we should be. Uh, firearms are fun, but, you know, um, without the right discipline, they can ultimately feel consequences. So we need to be, you know, on our A game when it comes to the use of firearms. Because when you use them and you're disciplined and you enjoy them, they're absolutely fantastic. But, you know, as you know, Jason, there's tragically, occasionally there are um, accidents regarding firearms. And the only reason why those accidents happen because there's 
ignored the basic rules of safety when it comes to firearms. Yeah, I think everyone so, gets a bit, and I probably did there for a while too, like being honest, gun owner, you know what I mean? Sometimes you pull things out or, you know, your mate yeah. goes, yeah, 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 you know, like it's fine and, you know, it's unloaded. I say, no, mate, you show me. Like I used to just accept that sort of stuff and most people probably would, but me these days when we go on the, um, <clears throat> you know, the rice fields, like even just coming up in November, you know, if we're, we, we're, if we're traveling a different car, I mean, it's their business what they do in their own car because potentially I can't get killed. But if they're doing, if either in my car or I'm in their car, I always say, hey, you know, cracked open, hey, I, I shake it. No, 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 you know, no loads in the shotgun. They're like, yeah, cool. Yep, yeah, me too. I'm like, sweet. You know what I mean? We just, and then we just crack them shut and we put them back in the car. That way we know, you know, I can't rely on someone else's safety. I don't rely on my own. So, but we, we should all be, because I'm actually a certified range safety officer, right? And, um, I think what we need to do as a rule of shoot is if you're out with a group, you know, you, you, you've all got to behave like RSOs, range safety officers, and have each other's back. Because it's about, you know, the love and respect of your fellow shooter. You've got to have each other's back. And you can do it in a way where you don't have to be belligerent or anything like that, but just, you know, pull them up. Oh, look, mate, you know, you know, please make sure it's unloaded and, you know, let's check each other's rifles out and let's just be professional about what we do. Because, unfortunately, those who oppose... Um, our recreation will just uh, look at any little minute mistake and then see this is the reason why you know civilians shouldn't own firearms. So it's our responsibility as shooters to be on our A game and be professional and disciplined at what we do. Yeah, mate, you're 100 right. Please tell me you got the wife into the shooting. You got a gun license, didn't you, or what? Yeah, she's into the shooting. She's she's got an A and B and a handgun license, so we actually go to the club together. Yeah, very so, good. Yeah, so we call. Um, you know, we we sort of uh, nickname our firearms. Um, the nine millimeters named Dennis. Well, she calls it Dennis. Dennis the Menace, and um, <laughs> I call my three fifty seven Magnum Bianca. And uh, why is that? Ex girlfriend or something? No, no, no. Six eighty six three fifty seven Magnum. You know, this this silver bloody thing. It's a sexy looking gun. Right, but every Bianca I've ever known, they've been sexy, but they've been bitches. <laughs> Hopefully there's no Biancas but... listening to this show then, eh? <laughs> 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 so, and that's just a sort of joke, because when I put those 357 loads in, mate, she blasts like a bitch, I tell you. So, yeah. yeah, so it's a bit of fun, in it? Let's it's get into that, and, and what are you sort of, um, you know, you said you enjoy shooting. What's your main thing? If you normally going out, do you do, I mean, I mean sorry if I just, didn't quote you correctly. You do any hunting or? I have done a little bit of hunting in the past. Obviously, certain you know um, things get in the way of life, and um, but yeah, I haven't been out deer hunting before because you know I certainly like to uh, um, go deer hunting, especially with the three three eight. But it's something I want to get back into. It's something I intend to get back into. Um, obviously, I've got to sort of you know get past obviously the storm clouds which have brewed my way, but. Yeah. Um, um, but it's something I do. But I do. A lot of shooters actually don't like going to the range, and I actually do. I actually enjoy um, going to the range and and really sort of testing it out. And I, I can't wait. I'm actually going to go to the range tomorrow because um, I bought my new scopes for my two four three and my three three eight. So I bought a Steiner four by twenty by fifty for the three three eight. And uh, uh, and a Mekon um, 3x15x50 for my 243. So it's almost because I, I got my rifles back. Um, I've got to, uh, you know, basically start again and uh, recite them in. So, um, yeah, yeah, before, it does happen. Before I got my, before I got my gun license suspended and uh, then cancelled, I'd reloaded a shitload of 338 ammo, so... Got yeah. at least three hundred rounds around, you know. So, so when you normally go out, what do you normally do? Like, you bet, is your favourite normally pistol shooting when you're going out, or you go for the rifle shooting, or what generally do you get into? Oh, look, due to the legal um, requirements for handguns, it's naturally that I'm going to handgun shoot more because of the legal requirements, and obviously with the club participation. Because if you own one category of handgun, which is you know, you know, nine mil, thirty eight caliber. Um, you have to do 10 shoots a year, and six of them have got to be competition-based. So um, when you've got that sort of commitment, and obviously during the winter and spring are probably your most productive months, um, obviously the rifle shooting sort of takes a step back a little, and uh, um, only because you don't have to go to a, a rifle range 10 times a year. So um, that's probably the reason why 
well, that is the reason why I do my handgun shooting more than my rifle shooting due to the legal requirements, if anything else. What pistol really disciplines do you get into, mate, anyway? Well, we do uh, we do our courses, like which are basically IPSC equivalent, and we set up you know, a variety of courses, and we've got a very good club captain and, and all that sort of stuff. So we, we, everything's different. That's the beauty about it. We can do different courses, some metal, metal silhouette targets, poppers and swinging targets, paper targets. We do the courses. So, yeah, we try and you know, do the IPSC type um, competitions there, and every course is different. That's what makes it great. So all your handgun shooting basically is um, uh, reactionary shooting, you know, and uh, it's something that the police could sort of uh, take note of because, <laughs> I mean, if <laughs> normal police came up to our range, mate, they'd get their bloody behinds absolutely <laughs> kicked, I reckon. So, mate, you um, reckon it's good when you uh, when you like when you're out with the the wife shooting. You, you enjoy that sort of thing. Taking the wife, I often ask this question to a lot of different people on the show. Whether you know, I know some guys out there, they're like when they when I go hunting with them or shooting, they're like, nope, it's a guy thing. I like hanging out with my mates. I don't want my missus doing it, um, etc. Oh, etc. Et but then other guys, mate, they go, no, I want my woman to come hunting. I wanted to get her into shooting. I want to. What, yeah, what do you think? Yeah. Oh, look, it's good when you've got a partner that is into it and um, it certainly makes it a lot easier. It certainly just eliminates what could possibly be certain friction. It was just a time we were at the uh, pistol uh, range, right, and it was the last comp uh, before my licence was suspended and um, <laughs> we were going through the course and there was all these uh, metal poppers, right, and, you know, sometimes you just talk shit, you know, regarding politics and we know that Hillary and Donald Trump are going in there, right? And we know the sort of the, the rubbish that Hillary sort of cops. And I was going through the course and I knocked down five poppers in a row. I've gone ping, 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 ping. But the last one, shot, miss, shot, miss. And I yelled out, go down, Hillary. And I shot and I got the, hit the target straight away. And, <laughs> and all the people that were spectating were laughing. So it was quite funny. So, you know, we've got a good humoured mob at... Um, our pistol club and you know my wife enjoys it too it's like uh you know she, she there was one time there that we were shooting a stationary target and um she had a you know full clip 10 rounds and she goes oh watch this and she's watching the target and she goes boom 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 she offloads 10 rounds in about three seconds right and she shot a pretty good group and i said that's okay dear. i'll do the dishes tonight you know so we have that bit of fun and that sort of thing there at the club too, which is good because, you know, I've been to some other handgun clubs and sometimes, you know, people can be a bit robotic. I mean, you can still have a bit of a sense of humour without the, um, you know, sacrificing safety, of course. So, you know, um, it, it's good. It's good having a wife that's uh, interested in that sort of thing too, it really is. If you're heading for the bush soon, don't. The SSAA Shot Expo is coming to Perth with hunting gear from the world's biggest brands, the latest optics and hunting gear from Europe, USA and Australia, and four-wheel drive accessories. The SSAA Shot Expo just keeps getting bigger. Claremont Showgrounds, Perth, October 22nd and 23rd. Supported by Swarovski, Winchester and ATN Night Vision. Book online or pay on the day. Visit shotexpo.com.au. Would you like to advertise on one of the most tech-savvy mediums on the internet? Then why don't you advertise with us on the Australian Hunting Podcast? If you have a product or business that you would like to promote, then we would love to hear from you. Become one of our partner advertisers by calling Jason on 0425 881 967 or email australianhuntingpodcast at gmail.com. Yeah, mate, absolutely. What, what sort of um, other things do you get into? you do anything other than uh, pistol? Do you, you said you didn't do a bit of shotgun. You like your rifles. Oh, tell us, mate, what are you, some of your favourite rifles? Or what's the favourite rifle that you own, mate? My three three eight, mate. Yeah? You'd have to be putting, uh, you know, just dollar, you know, $10 bills into the action, mate, wouldn't you, when you're shooting that sort of thing, wouldn't you? Because <laughs> oh, it's so expensive to, be, to shoot. Um, to be honest with you, look, the pills... Um, obviously, three three eight and three three eight. Regardless whether you've got a Lapua Magnum or a Win Mag or even a three three eight Ruger, the pills are the same cost. Yeah, but it's not that expensive in a Win Mag. I tell you what, buying new cases for a Win Mag is uh, three times as cheaper than a lap, right? 
And the power difference between a lap and a magnum are uh, really not much difference until with the um, 338 lap, you've got reloading data, which uses the military powder, which is the AR2213C, uh, which is not available for the uh, wind mag. And that's where that lap viewer gets that little bit more um, extra punch. But, you know, if you're using the same powder in a lap mag and a, and a, and a wind mag, you're better off going with a wind mag. Cause, what you know, what, what do you reckon you're getting down on cost? How much you reckon when you actually reload that? What, what are you going to cost in your per shot, you reckon? Oh, it's, I reckon it's cheaper than the factory ammo, but I haven't really tried to calculate the cost because it's more of a, um, uh, like a recreation for me. I love reloading. Um, I, I reckon it'd be a bit cheaper I, my accuracy is more reliable with the um, hand loads because uh, I've settled on three projectiles which work very well through my gun. Um, what what um, with, just offhand? What um, what grains are you using in them, and what sort of weight weight uh, pills are you using in those? I always go the two fifty. Uh, occasionally, I go two two five because when it comes to the three three eight, we mag the niche uh, weight for that caliber, uh, and that's obviously just my opinion, of course. Uh, is two two five grade two fifty um, because I know that at with what I reload and the data that I've put through um, that at even at five hundred meters if I were to strike a target it's still going to hit it at over two thousand foot pounds of energy and that's why a two two five and a two fifty are really really uh, good pill very stable makes the gun shoot flat um, if you go any lighter. Um, you know, obviously, if you go down to 200, 180s and all that sort of stuff, you're probably looking at, you know, much faster velocities, uh, which tends to sort of, uh, you know, barrel wear and everything like that. But where I'm at, sits around the 2,600, 2,650 feet per second mark, muzzle velocity, and that will just... That Does it kick like a mule, or it surely it would kick quite considerably, that, that thing, wouldn't it? I, mean, I get scared just thinking about it. Uh, the three three eight before. Or have you got a muzzle brake um, on it? The muzzle brake before the muzzle brake. Yeah, yeah it certainly. Um, you know, if you, you know, it, it certainly was quite stout. Um, but since I put the muzzle brake and I had it fitted by a professional up in Bendigo, um, it's yep. a little bit less than my two four three. Interesting. I was out shooting a couple of weeks ago. A couple of guys uh, shooting the Remington three hundred Ultra Mag. And uh, yep. you know, he had a, a muzzle brake on. It wasn't too bad at all. It wasn't too bad with the yes. muzzle brake. It just dropped it right down. Like it makes a huge difference a muzzle brake. I, I think, especially on those bigger calibers. Even like some guys have them on a three hundred eight, and I don't know what guy's got on a three hundred eight. And then yeah, just yes. lot very mild, very mild indeed. Like a three hundred eight yes. drops it to about I don't know two four three maybe. I mean, I didn't. Yes. Even, I, I could shoot that thing all day. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 I agree. And uh, the muzzle brake did make it. And uh, before. Last time I shot with my three three eight, and that was with my old scope on it, and that was a Hacko Superb two point five by ten by forty two, and I was hitting um, a metal plate at five hundred and twenty meters every time, you know, and and it, with that muzzle brake, it was just like. With your you know, rifle shooting, do you do long range stuff, or you just do more like target shooting, or just a bit of fun, a bit of plinking, or? No, I'd like to uh, extend my rifle range, the Little River rifle range down uh, here in Melbourne as a 500-metre range. Um, I will certainly explore areas where I can go beyond 500 metres since I've upgraded the scope to that um, Steiner 4x20x50 because it's yeah. certainly yeah. got the capacity to stretch that 338. It's still, it'll probably be a very good, you know, within probably my capability or even the gun's capability. I reckon it's going to be a very good seven, 800-metre gun. It's going to be very effective. But, you know, 500 metres, when you can hit a target, you know, potentially if I shot a deer from 500 metres away, not that you would get that chance uh, because of the territory on which they roam in Victoria, but, um, you know, when you've got a projectile that can uh, hit a target at over 2,000 foot-pounds of kinetic energy, that's, that's pretty good bang for buck, the uh, 338. Yeah, mate, not too bad at all. Sounds like you have a lot of fun. Well, let's get into the story, mate. Tell us a bit of a story. Uh, you know, what happened to you in regards to this issue? Because I've been speaking a lot about, and for people that don't know, I've been speaking a lot about rights and privileges 
I know yes. there's been uh, guys on YouTube, the Shooting Stuff Australia guys who I hang out with. I was hunting and shooting with them about uh, yep. probably a month ago, um, yes. you know, and people getting a bit freaked out by videos, worrying about what the you know the general media thinks, worried about what the general public thinks, and it just goes to show the overreach of the state. So I guess you know, frame your story so people understand what happened, uh, what okay. the what the issues were, and where we're currently at, and we'll just go through the questions from there, mate. I'll keep it brief. And, um, and sort of a timeline of what happened when this all started, yes. etc. Yep. Yes. Yes. Okay. It has to be a background because it sort of comes to the timeline, okay? Look, in 2003, because without getting into the religious side, I am a seven-day Adventist Christian, right? 2003, I released a series of videos, three of them, right? And I was using my 338 as a prop, okay? And that was February 4th, 2013 that I re- released those videos on YouTube. Um. And basically the message in those videos, without getting into the detail, was a peaceful message telling American gun owners not to go to war with your government if the shit hit the fan, right? It's part of the gospel message. And moving on from that, obviously uh, after the Link Cafe siege, I got involved in a bit of political activism uh, with the United Patriots Front, which I was one of the central figures um, because of the concerns about Islam. Well, anyway, I made some videos doctrinally about Islam because I'm very well versed in the Quran and, and religion because I, I do that sort of study. And um, a rogue newspaper uh, reporter, um, November 8th last year, named Luke McMahon. Um, so this is two years after you made the videos, yep? That's exactly right. Exactly right. And I got my handgun licensed after those publication of those videos, subject to Australian Federal Police Check, which is... Um, what you have to go through if you get your handgun license. Yep, yep. And basically, you know, Luke McMahon through electronic media and uh, and that sort of thing, they copy, chop and paste my activities and and basically the Sunday Age made me out into the worst possible light, you know, that I've been radicalised and I've been compared to Anders Breivik, which is the mass shooter of Norway, and um, all because I've spoken out against Islam. And so, and, and just, they, just to be clear too, at this stage in your life, you don't have a criminal record, you've never been before the police for anything, is that correct? Yeah, I've never had a criminal conviction, that's right. Yep, yep. I've had a couple of misdemeanours when I was younger, but without conviction. Oh, haven't, so, haven't we all? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. But I've had no criminal conviction. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, um, so some me- yeah. media guys got hold of this or what these videos and your publications somehow, and then it's blown up. Yeah, butchered okay. them and and mixed my anti-Islam rhetoric with the video, which had nothing to do with Islam. And uh, well, anyway, less than a week later, the police came around and attempted to seize my firearms, but I wasn't home. I managed to get my firearms stored at a licensed firearms dealer. Well, uh, I sent in a submission saying that you're... Did they leave a note wrong. to say they came or anything like that, or...? Yes, they did. Yeah, yes, yeah. they did. Yeah, you know, the, 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 the police woman involved, which I won't mention her name, was very good. Yep. And um, what happened? So they've left a con- note, you've contacted them, they've said, yes, oh, we're, we're, right. we're there to seize the firearms, and you're like, well, what for? Yes. Yep. Yes, exactly. And and she even told me that I hadn't broken any laws, which is the irony, because I wasn't charged with anything, so we've got to make that crystal clear. I was not charged with anything. Um, and basically, uh, I said to her, look, the police are not getting my firearms, but I'm willing to store them somewhere else. She goes, yes, you have an op- option of storing them at a licensed dealer. And I said, please give me the chance to do that. I'm home late. And I was actually came home from a appointment with my family solicitor because I was dealing with the estate of my late mother. And um, basically... I got my firearms stored, got my ammunition and all that sort of stuff stored at a friend's place, which were part of my club, which I licensed to do so. And I put in a submission, and then obviously the police commissioner's office rejected that uh, submission, a written submission saying that uh, this decision is unjustified. And come um, August So, 9th, wh- so when, when did they seize the firearms? Or, or not seize, but how long until you gave them to your dealer? How long ago was that? Uh, that was basically November... That would have been around November 11th, November 12th. It was less than a week after... Last year, 2015? Yes, 2015, yes. yes. So this is years after you've made these videos, which are not threatening anyone. You just had your 338 prop in the background, is that correct? 
yeah, I held it at Roth as a prop to relate to an audience on which I was trying to uh, spread the message to. Um, so that, oh, who's this idiot, you know, talking about, you know, because a lot of Christians in America, you know, they've got a Bible in one hand and a gun in the other. So I was actually just trying to relate to the audience. Hang on, look, I'm a firearms guy. I know what I'm talking about. And um, basically um, pleaded with him, don't go to war with your government. Run to the hills, you know, if you have to. But just don't go fighting people because yep. the thought of going to war uh, yep. and killing someone, you know, is abhorrent to me. So, yeah. um, so you've, given the to, you've given them to your dealer and then where, 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 yes. what's happened from there? Uh, what's happened from there is I've gone back and forth to my lawyers to a point where uh, on August 9th um, this year, um, I went before in Victoria, which is called the Firearms Appeals Committee. And the Firearms Appeals Committee is made up of um, three people, uh, which is a QC, um, uh, someone from the SSAA, and a, and a gun expert. And um, so, obviously, you've like, you've obviously they've taken they've. they've Obviously, they want to take your firearms. You've given them to the dealer, and then yep. obviously, what happens then? So you've obviously have they have they taken you to the the tri- or the, I don't say tribunal at this stage? Have they taken you to the appeals committee, or you've taken them to the committee trying to get your firearms license back? I took them to the firearms appeals committee to right. get my license back. Because gotcha. This, yep. is, this, this, this is the entire thing that's wrong, which obviously will come out at the end of the questioning because um, I've got something to say. What? rights that we need to try and fight for. Um, but uh, I was cross-examined. Uh, yeah, tell us about minutes. that process. Too many minutes, but just tell us about that process. So um, you've gone to the appeals committee. How did it work? Yep. Who was there? Was there lawyers? Have they got someone on their side? How does it work? Because obviously the listeners listening to this show probably don't know anything about this. They want yes. to know. They want to you know, yeah, sort of sell them the story. <laughs> yeah. Well, Way it works in Victoria, when you take uh, the police commissioner's office, because they have lawyers representing them to the Fines Appeals Committee, um, they've got their lawyers, the police side, and obviously I had my barrister and my lawyer from my family lawyer who was at his office in Vermont. And basically, Ross Williamson was my barrister. He's the Premier Fines lawyer from WA. And what it is, is that I had to present myself to appeal the decision of the police commissioner's office, right? And obviously the police commissioner's office has their lawyers saying why my appeal should not be accepted or upheld, okay? But my side is, well, these are the reasons why Mr Shortus is a fit and proper person because what it is is that they've got this abstract, um, basically, act which is very subjective and there's a matter of interpretation whether a person's a fit and proper person, right? And it doesn't uh, just include prior criminal convictions and all that sort of thing. So sorry to interrupt again. Why were they saying, what was their reasoning to say that you were not a fit and proper person? What, 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 why weren't you a fit and proper person in their eyes? Uh, in the police prosecution's eyes, they thought because of my uh, anti-Islamic videos, um, they and my involvement with the United Patriots Front, and obviously because I displayed my firearm in a previous video which had nothing to do with Islam, uh, they thought it was justification for making me out to be a not a fit and proper person, and uh, I had to argue the case. I, I was cross-examined. I had three character witnesses from my club, and through the process... Um, what destroyed the police prosecution was that I was granted my handgun license after the release of those videos where I used my firearm as a prop. Because to be honest with you, Jason, if I hadn't used my firearm as a prop, I don't think I would have ever gone to that appeals committee because it wouldn't have gone there because the police wouldn't have had the justification to do it. But then again, I don't know. They could just say, oh, I don't like your political views. We're going to what, suspend your gun license. Why do they think you're not in fit a proper person because you used a prop? What, what, why do they assume that? What, what, what's that got well, to do be, with it? Well, because what they try and build a case on is because I did that, um, there is, in their eyes, well, there's a elevated risk to public safety which is a continual assassination of my character. You know, whether I've got firearms or not, um, there's no uh, risk to the safety of the public because my grievances against, uh, say, government policy and Islam 
or immigration, it was made clear during that process that I seek a political solution in it because I'll be running as a senator uh, in 2019 because things like firearms law, uh, immigration from the third world or Islam, I have concerns with. And uh, it is our constitutional right to actually express our political view. Actually, I'm going to argue the fact that uh, against the state that they're actually in violation of Section 28 of the Crimes Act. So, um, which is which is which is which is what's that? Political intimidation. Any person, right, against political free exercise, right. That's that's basically what I, I can specifically read out the act. Um, if you just give me a second. So on the video, just to make sure it's on the same page, he's obviously never threatened anyone on these videos or anything like this? No, no, not at all, not at all. Um, what it is is that we seem to be in a, uh, a state of play these days if you speak out against political correctness, and it's politically correct to um, stick up for a misogynistic religion such as Islam. And if you speak out against it, you're, you're, you're a Nazi, you're a right-wing extremist and all that sort of stuff. And the state seems to protect these people, um, but I wasn't uh, criticising people. I was criticising a theology. Now, people are happy enough to criticise my Christian faith, and you know what? Good luck to them. You know, I'm not going to demand some sort of uh, committee to say, well, look, he said bad things about my religion. You must silence him. My shoulders are big enough to cop any criticism right, about my Christianity, to be honest with you, I couldn't care less what people think of my Christianity. If you don't like my Christianity, well, bad luck. That's it, their problem, not mine. And um, But the problem is, if you speak out against others, right, particularly the Islamic uh, variety, it seems to bring the ire of the state. And it was all centred around the hot topic of the mega mosque that they want to build in Bendigo. Now, the only reason why I'm saying that, because that's where they're sort of getting their sort of case against me. And um, but the Finance Appeals Committee basically dismissed the uh, commissioner's uh, decision. So how long they when you were obviously in there, um, you know how long was the rep, the presentation? I guess you might say cross examination or at least the police in being in the, the committee hearing. How long did they present information for and have you up on the stand? You might say so to speak. And then how how long did your lawyer spend discussing the situation whilst at the firearms advisor or the committee? Well, the actually, committee, my, I should say. <laughs> well, my lawyer, well, Barrister Ross Williamson, only had to say a couple of things. His, his amount of speaking lasted uh, a couple of minutes. Um, obviously, he led out, obviously, to go through, oh, is your name Christopher Neil Shortest? And, you know, why is this? Why is that? Why is that? You know, so he did that. Then I was cross-examined by the police uh, prosecutor. And um, basically, that whole process with me being up in the witness box was about 45 minutes. Then um, after that, uh, it was... It, the whole process took two hours because in it I had three character witnesses from my gun club. And uh, the whole process took two hours. And then it took less than five minutes for um, the Firearms Appeals Committee to deliberate and say that my appeal was upheld and that they dismissed the uh, police commissioner's office the decision to um, cancel my firearms license and they ordered them to reinstate it. Um, Do you think the they had any that, reason to cancel it in the first place? Uh, no, absolutely not. Um, unless we live in, um, you know, Chairman Mao's uh, society where political opinion um, is not allowed anymore, they had no reason. They had no reason. And it, and um, it was years after as well. Do you think the, I guess, media and those people that were dragging up, obviously, old videos and information, do you reckon, obviously, that was the reaction by the police due to those people bringing those issues up and bringing those to light? Because the chances are, as you said, they probably didn't, one didn't even know about it, and the police have given you and vetted you uh, as a fit and proper person after you've made those videos. Did that ever come back right. up during the appeals committee hearing? Did that ever come up about that you were issued that licence after oh, yeah, you made yeah, those yeah, videos? Yeah, and what yeah, was what, what yeah, was the result yeah. of that? Well, the firearms appeals committee, the chairman, rubbished them. But, I mean, just this, this must be a part of the story too. At one stage, because obviously during my cross-examination and obviously my presentation that, uh, I made it clear that, you know, everything that I did is a political process and that I'm politically active and I'm going to uh, run for the Senate in 2019. 
and that I'm actually part of a political party, the police, uh, the, the chairman um, of the Firearms Appeals Committee had to declare what was a potential conflict of interest. And he did that, and both sides agreed it was all right because he was the vice president of the Victorian Liberal Party. And you said, how long did it take the, the Appeals Committee to deliberate on that couple of hour hearing? How long did they take to come back with a decision? Five minutes. <laughs> Five minutes, really, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> they obviously realised this was a bit of a beat-up and didn't realise it was really just a crock. Well, so much so that my uh, one, of, one of my character witnesses, because he's an atheist, right, you know, the, the, the uh, police prosecution being devious, um, basically tried to sort of rally him, oh, what do you think about these videos? And the chairman jumped in and said, well, um, what's that have anything to do with what he uh, perceives what Mr Shortis's religious beliefs are, Right. Uh, it has no bearing on what our decision's going to be. And he actually stated that it has all the hallmarks of being political, right? And, and Mr., you know, the, the, oh, I had to sort of backpedal a bit. And, um, you know, they were very dismissive of the police commissioner's um, office, because it was a political beat-up. Now, if you don't mind me saying, and, and you know, because of my political... Section 28 of the Crimes Act says this, any person by violence, by threats or intimidation of any kind hinders or interferes with the free exercise or performance by any other person of any political right or duty shall be guilty of an offence. Do you have dull, blunt or badly sharpened knives that couldn't skin a cat? At Scary Sharp... We use a multi-step grinding system and will hand sharpen your blades to a precise edge. Our process of sharpening knives will have your blades splitting hairs for a surprisingly low cost. Not only do we sharpen knives, but we also sharpen scissors, clippers, garden tools, arrowheads, axes or anything that holds an edge. We are located close to Canberra and we also have a mail-in service. Visit Scary Sharp on Facebook or call Bob on 0410 432 852 and find out how we can meet your sharpening needs. Scary Sharp. If it cuts, we can sharpen it. Are you looking to buy a new or used firearm? Do you want to sell that safe queen to fund your next purchase? Then go to OzGunSales.com. We have over 200 registered firearms dealers, Australia-wide, and thousands of shooters using the site daily. There are over 2,500 firearms listed, so you're certain to find exactly what you're looking for. We have over 50 years of firearms industry experience, including 8 years online. So why wouldn't you advertise with us? The one and only genuine original Ozguns. Yeah, and mind you, through this whole process too, I'd like to talk about that too. Through this whole process, you haven't been charged with a crime. So for the better part of what, getting up close to, what, a year now, you, have, right. you haven't been able to go shooting because these people deem under, quote, unquote, what constitutes a fit and proper person and, and the, the police uh, uh, peace commissioner um, yeah. you know, having jurisdiction over uh, what the interpretation is of fit and proper person. Exactly, and the thing is, um, they're, they're trying to stitch me up. They want to take me to VCAT, and they've been trying to monster my solicitor. And I spoke to my solicitor yesterday because uh, my barrister, who's in WA, who's working with my family solicitor, uh, basically said, don't give uh, the police commissioner's office permission for a stay. And because so get, you know, getting back not, to that, sorry, I didn't mean to again, only because people are probably not carrying on here. After the appeals uh, uh, committee hearing, you that they all mm. basically there was no grounds to this, you know, uh, by the police. Uh, and yep. what's happened since then? What's happened since then? The police have said pretty much we don't like this uh, uh, result, and we're going to take it to the uh, VCAT, is it the you know, Victorian Tribunal to basically overturn this committee's uh, appeals hearing uh, decision? Oh well, I sort of. Uh, made a, a couple of phone calls and I basically told the commissioner's office, you've been ordered by court to give me my licence because two weeks they sat on, um, you know, what should have been a reprint of my data card so that I could get my uh, plastic licences reissued because they destroyed the first lot, probably in their arrogance, thinking that they were going to win. And, um, you know, I've got my data cards, although I only got my renewal for my handgun licence and not my data card. I've got my data card for my long arms. 
And um, look, they're, they're not finished with me, Jason. I, I'm, not, I'm telling you that now because of my other political activities. I've got a, a I've got to go to court on March 6th next year due to a political uh, issue because of they've, they've charged me with uh, under the state racial and vilification act, right? Because we did a mock beheading at the Bendigo Councils um, October 4th last year. So, um, which the police prosecution during the Firearms Appeals Committee showed a picture of that. And um, basically, uh, they said, was that you there, Mr. Shaw? So I said, yeah. And I managed to answer the question. I said, why is it a political statement? And um, I said, well, the reason why it was a political statement um, because this is what Islam do. And I actually quoted the Quran to them, and they were in shock when I quoted the Quran, because the beheading part, you know, the Quran 8 verse 12 says, remember your Lord inspired the angels to uh, give firmness to the believers. I will instill terror into the heart of the unbelievers, smite you above their necks and cut their fingertips off them. I said that in the court. They've gone, what? It's in the Quran. And it was a political statement about our concerns about Islam. And it didn't seem to bother the Farms Appeals Committee in the least. Yeah. Right? Because of my political activism. Yeah, so where are we at now in regards to obviously dealing with the police? They've said, well, we don't like the decision. Did you say that was what you've obviously been trying to hassle them to get your licence back for, what, two weeks after the uh, appeals decision? Um, yes. They've put it off. They've yes. said, well, we're going to take you now to the VCAT or whatever it is, to the tribunal down yes. there in Victoria. So when are you yes. looking at uh, – because this is the main, my main concern. It's not – like I said, this show is not about religious beliefs or anything no, like that. of course. What it's course. about is, is is the police overreach in regards to you not you not having committed a crime. Whether you whether I like what you say, whether other people like what you say, it's no. not really the point. You know, I reserve your right to say whatever you want to do, provided it's done in the right way and it's done – and no one's obviously hurting each other and causing violence and those types of things. Exactly. So – so where are we at now in regards to uh, how they set down a hearing date yet? I mean, no, I, they I, haven't. I'd say you've got a really good chance, obviously. But I mean, the, the appeals decision has already made a decision on the, or the appeals committee has already made a decision. Mate, and I talk about this a lot on on my show quite regularly about rights and privileges and stuff like that. I also talk about there's been many cases in New South Wales. A lot of people know I talk about it on the show. Uh, you know, about, you know, tribunal hearings, about the police. And they just don't like the look of someone. They might not have liked the look of Chris Shortis with a firearm because he's saying things we don't like, which I think also is a very, very slippery slope. And um, a lot of the times, well, in every situation, actually the ones I know uh, that have been in the media, uh, the police commission or the police, the New South Wales police, and the ones I've actually dealt with and looked at have, have lost because uh, the, 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 the legislation is quite clear about what excludes someone from being a firearms owner. Uh, they had not committed any crimes, therefore, even the judge or the judge or the presiding member of the tribunal did say, this guy has a right to a firearms license, you have to give his gun license back. Um, so we have a right to own firearms in this country. So where, where are we looking from here? Uh, what, what's your lawyer saying? Are they saying it's looking good? Obviously, I think this is more of a ploy just to you know drag it out a little bit further. Uh, in the hopes that eventually you will say, you know, in the future, if you are thinking about saying something on a video, you may not be too vocal in the future to basically shut you up in the future, I think. but Well, well that's exactly it. Um, they think it's going to uh, stop me. Well, they've only inspired me to go even further. Because the, the fact of the matter is, um, the police actually, tried, through their lawyers, said to my lawyer yesterday, oh, look, we're asking for a temporary stay. And Ross actually, Williamson said, don't give him permission for a stay. He's not back until, you know, um, October 10th. Um, I'm, I'm going to be in Sydney where uh, they, I'm going to be in Sydney next week, right? And um, for a holiday with my missus. And basically, I told my lawyer, I said, Ross has said, don't give him permission for a stay. And you remind that office, you tell those uh, idiots that we don't give permission for a stay. My lawyer, uh, my barrister, is not going to be available when they want to. And as a citizen of Victoria and as a citizen of the Commonwealth, I have the right to proper legal representation. And you remind these idiots that they must uphold the decision of the Firearms Committee until such time they wish to appeal it. And we're not going to be on their whim because my legal representation is not going to be available for when they want to be. And they go, oh, well, look, we'll just have to ask for it anyway. Well, you can ask what you want. You can't do it without us being there. They're being bullies. 
they are being bullies, the, the Victorian state. They really are. And I'll tell you something now, Jason, right? What needs to happen is that a lot of, a lot of hunting groups and a lot of shooters groups, even the SSAA, they talk about we should have access to this particular type of firearm or this and that and that. That's all bullshit, right? What we need to do before anything, before we even start talking about categories, and believe me, I reckon categories is bullshit. What we need before anything is to remove the discretionary powers from the police commissioner. Secondly, the police commissioner cannot be a political appointment, must be voted in by the members of that particular police force, right? Because the issue here is the presumption of innocence under our common law rights. I was not charged with anything. All I have been guilty of is political and religious expression, which I am being monstered and vilified for. And the state thinks they can get away with it because they're the ones in authority. And this little black duck here is saying, bullshit, you're a bully. You deserve not only a bloody nose, you deserve to be clotheslined. And I will do everything in my power to fight the system until we have decent firearms laws in this country, which means just because you own a firearm, it does not exempt you from free speech or political expression. And you have the right to the presumption of innocence under law. Yeah. Now, a lot of people in this situation sometimes too would, and this is what they try and do. Obviously, we know the police, you know, they've got, you know, basically a lot of money in regards to backing them. And just to give us offhand, not to give us exact figures, obviously, I mean, you know, and this is what happens when a lot of people on YouTube and stuff like that, um, you know, I mean, I know the guys with Shooting Stuff Australia were having a few issues with the media and stuff like that. I mean, you know, exercising their free speech to do whatever, that, whether you disagree or agree with it, it's not really the point. But, you know, what sort of uh, costs are you looking at at the moment that you've already spent out of pocket to try and defend yourself in regards to the situation? It's cost me 10 grand so far. Yep, yep. You know, it's, well, it's, it's just sucks you've got to spend this sort of money when, again, you haven't... You know, they, don't, you know, they decide what, what they think or perceive to be is a fit and proper person. I just think, again, it leaves, you're right, it leaves too much scope. And again, the police are constantly doing this and they're constantly the cases that I read, they're constantly losing because the legislation is clear, but they just keep doing it because I think because they know they've got the money and some people may not have the money and may not want to fight it. Like sometimes I think, you know, in my show, I keep it pretty you know, in check and that sort of thing like that. And But man, I'm waiting to, yeah, I'm a big proponent of self-defense with a firearm. I wonder how long before they start wanting to come and, you know, knocking on my door and saying, oh, we don't like what you're saying about self-defense. Well, I've got a right to be able to say people have a human right to self-defense. I mean... Well, well, there's actually, that's one of the reasons they're trying to use NVCAP against me, right? Because I mentioned self-defense, but because they were referring to my religious video that religious video in prophecy terms was to an end time where we don't enjoy the luxury of law and order today. So it was a matter of context, but they're still trying to use it because there is a shut. They just don't want Chris Shorters to own a firearms licence because we don't like his political or religious views. Now, my view is, is that they have no right to do so. They have too much power. And unfortunately, Australians have to get out of this, she'll be right, mate, and, and particularly amongst shooters, um, we have to get into the halls of politics and what we need to do is restore our sacred right under law, which is the presumption of innocence. You can't have someone accusing you of uh, something with no evidence and then the first thing the police do, oh, well, someone's accused you of something, we're going to take your firearms off you. That's bullshit. That's, that, 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 that's nuts, right? Um, I'm sorry, that, that, that's just not right. Um, and I think what needs to happen is that this uh, political Goliath, this political appointment chief commissioner, right, needs uh, to be beaten down. This bully needs to be flattened. And they only inspired me more to get into politics because I'm not just fighting for my own rights. I'm fighting for the rights of um, all shooters. This is not just about me, right? And this is important. You can't have a delicate situation where, oh, you own firearms, you know, you're going to spend the rest of your life walking on eggshells. Be careful what you politically might say because, you know, oh, the police commissioner's office might say, well, you said something that was controversial. We're going to take your guns off you. It's bullshit. Sorry. Not going to, I'm not going to cop it. They're not going to cop it. And, you know, they've... they've um, and I can tell you that, and I'm not, I'm not pissing my own pocket, but I can tell you something, they've picked on the wrong person, mate. 
They picked on a guy who has an endless supply of will. My will is stronger than iron. I'm not going to tolerate this because I'm doing it not just for me. I'm doing it for my other fellow shooters. Yeah, so you reckon you're going to, if it goes the VCAT, obviously it's going to, um, you know, cost you more money and stuff like that. So, I mean, what are you going to do about that? Just keep, obviously keep fighting. You're not giving up or? Well, at the moment, I've, I've still got uh, the means and it's just the direction that we're going into and obviously now we're into the phase that we're actually going to start suing the state to recovery of costs and defamation. I have to explore those options, Jason. Yeah, I wonder how that's going to work. I mean, when they go to court, and I've spoken to a few lawyers in the past, obviously with criminal uh, hearings, they can actually, you know, you can actually get costs back, but I'm not sure in regards to, like, you know, appeals committees and obviously in regards to, you know, VCAT and going to the tribunal down there in Victoria, whether, you know, even, we're even going to have what, what the legislation says in regards to, you know, any type of refunding of money or covering costs, yeah. Well, I have to go down the racial and religious vilification line myself, right? Uh, and I've just got to explore my options. These are, unfortunately, at this present time, are not, uh, they're unknowns, where, what direction I've got to go. Yeah, But yeah. I know the bigger picture, and the bigger picture is, there's because under Section 44 of the Australian Constitution, if you're, just, if you're um, in the middle of... Uh, sentence which involves more than one year imprisonment, right, you're disqualified from office. If you are made bankrupt or insolvent, you're disqualified from office, right? Then they're just afraid of my political aspirations. That's all it is, right? They don't want people who have brains. They don't want people who are passionate and who love their country to bring these people to account. And now they're hiding under their so-called state authority to commit crime. And I will I will say that not only have they violated my religious rights under Section 116 of the Australian Constitution, they are guilty of violation of Section 28 of the Crimes Act because they don't want their little diversity dogma, you know, questioned. Well, hang on. In a vibrant democracy, we can say things to each other and have different opinions, but what made the Australian way so great is that I might not agree with what you say, but I'll defend your right to say it. That's gone. Yeah, exactly. The, it, it's gone. You and I, Jason, we can spend a day together and we talk about a lot of issues, and there's going to be shit that we're going to disagree on, right? That's an obvious. That's just a, that's just a given. But I defend your right to say it because we do it under the guise that we're under the rule of law. We have the right of freedom of expression. And when it comes to hurting other people's feelings, mate, well, I'm sorry. I mean, that's abstract in itself. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you know, I mean, there, there comes to a point where people are just going to have a, a fucking cup of concrete too. Yeah. No, it's interesting. I do find these cases quite interesting because I do have many debates even with um, shooters saying it's a, you know, is it a privilege, is it a right? And I said, well, look up the definition. Then I've been accused of using the definition to suit my agenda. And I said, mate, my agenda is exactly what it says. If you're over the age of 18, you don't have a criminal record, you have a right to a firearms license. I mean, I can even play some uh, footage, which we normally do on one of my other shows, Straight Shooting, where Samantha Lee... Uh, Samantha Lee even said uh, we we have a right a right to a firearms license. I mean, Samantha Lee said that she's anti-gun. I've got the yes. audio. I've got the audio of her saying it. Yet I've got shooters saying no, that's not. Oh, you've got a privilege to own a firearm. Yes, can the government take away our rights tomorrow? Of course they can. They could just legislate. Uh, against firearms and ban all firearms. But people think you just go to the United States too, Chris, and you're just able to own a firearm in the United States. Well, no, you've got to go through a background check. Anything else where you know, it, these backroom gun shows, that's all illegal. It's a le- it's legal training of firearms. If you have go well, to a, a legal... Well, guess what? where you are. If you go to a legal... I know, but if you go to a legal law-abiding shop to own a firearm, I mean, they have to do yeah. an FBI federal background check. It's mandatory. You know, it's mandatory. So, yeah, but not in all states. Not in all states. Are you sure That's about that? I'm pretty sure it's yeah. all states. No, well, I, I, I would check Vermont if I was you. Vermont in America has one of the most laxest firearms well, have a look because, oh, in the country. Yeah, right? interesting, because, interesting. Uh, um, because America is made up of two types. I mean, it's easy for me to have a handgun in Victoria. I'm pr- so I know they've well. got really good laws there, but again, this is actually a good discussion. I'll actually bring this up yeah. on one of my next straight shooting mm. shows we do next week. I'll look up yeah. the Vermont laws. As far as I'm aware, obviously state issues they can, you know, because people also think, well, you know, it's just it's it's, it's unvetted access. 
you know, unvetted hmm. access to to own firearms. And I said, well, hang on, depends on which particular state and everything, because don't forget, different yeah. states have got different laws. I mean, obviously, you know, in certain, like California's got bad laws, Chicago's got bad laws, Washington, D.C. Yeah. If it was just unvetted ownership to, to firearms, and people think you have a right to own a firearm, you know, that means the federal government would say to all the states, listen, you have no right to change firearms laws or, put, or instill any state firearms laws. So, I'm not, Well, know, if we listen to the Second Amendment carefully, the Second Amendment says, uh, uh, well, we're reg- regulated militia in, uh, for the necessity of defence of a free state, comma, but the right of the people to bear and uh, to carry and bear arms or right shall not be infringed. Now, the word infringed means no obstacles in the way to owning them. And so, arguably, a lot of states are violating that law, even if it means a background check. Um, but I mean, I'm just, I'm merely pointing out what the Second Amendment actually states. Um, but in different states, the laws actually vary, even in the good states. You know, some states, you know, they're all got good laws, but some are a little better than others. There, there are actually some states like uh, Georgia, the county of uh, Georgia, Kennesaw. Is it Kennesaw? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. everyone owns Georgia. a firearm. There's been right. no murders in something like 30, 20 years or something like that. Exactly. And everyone has to have a working firearm and ammunition, every house. It's actually against the law not to have it. Yeah, it's interesting. I always have this discussion, like, because it's been some states, you know, like New York, there's you know, magazine limits, you know, they're looking at, you know, the, the uh, in-print technology and firearms in California. So, I mean, some, in some states, I think 42 states, I was looking at it the other day, have suppressors. Um, there's still about, still about, you know, 10, 11 states that don't have, you know, suppressors. You're not able to own a suppressor in those particular states. California, funnily enough, being obviously... Uh, one of them, so it's very, you know, it's a very interesting discussion. Um, anything sort of make to finish off in regards to this issue? Like any advice to people? Like if they if they come up, yeah, the police obviously want to seize their firearms because they don't think a person's a fit, or they are alleging, yeah, a firearms owner is not a fit and proper person. What would you recommend they do? And any finishing thoughts to finish off? Yes, look, there are two things I'd like to say regarding that. If you believe that you're innocent of the charge against you or the accusation against you, because like I said, I wasn't charged with anything, then, you know, if you're able to, right, fight it, fight it. Secondly, I would adjure all shooters that are listening to this program now, get involved in the political discussion and talk about the two most important things which would alleviate the authority overbearing authority of, uh, of government. The police commissioner's discretionary powers must be removed and he must be uh, not a political appointment. He must be voted in by the members because uh, people need to know that the sacred tenet of common law is the presumption of innocence. They need to have that discussion. Categories, firearm categories and all that sort of thing is all bullshit while the police commissioner has these discretionary powers because if tomorrow for example oh yeah well in club situations we'll allow you to have an ar-15 with a maximum of 10 shots in the magazine right okay you got an ar-15 you got a semi-automatic rifle but if the police uh commissioner still has those discretionary powers and you you're outspoken or about something oh you're a threat to the public we're going to suspend and cancel your license makes no difference we need to uh really, really get into the issue of the discretionary powers of police commissioners. That's the first base. That's that's my opinion, to be honest with you. Good, mate. Um, well, hopefully, again, we'll catch up uh, sometime over, hopefully, the next you know, two to three months, four months, six months, however long these... Uh, this this Victorian police take to, I guess, make a decision on this issue. We'll do a follow-up and... Uh, Man, I just hope it all works out for you. I mean, I know sometimes we, a lot of people disagree with certain things. A lot of people disagree on religion. It's a very hot topic at the moment. But the main part for me is just is seeing a lot of these cases where you know that the you know the police commissioner thinks you know who they who they can dictate who they think is a fit and proper person and leave it up to some type of you know appeals committee you know to make that decision on whether they think someone's a fit and proper person. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, legislation about what exclude someone from holding a firearms exactly, license. Exactly, exactly. And, and the thing is, police commission, it's subjective. 
you've got to remove the subjectiveness and put objective reasoning in it and, and, and have that objective criteria. Because if he wants to be subjective, while well, our current police commissioner is not a fit and proper person to be bloody uh, police commissioner. Yeah, interesting stuff. Because of his abuse of power. Because of his abuse of power. This is a, this is a political witch hunt, and this bully not only needs to be... Uh, uh, has his nose bloodied again, right? He needs to be clotheslined. And I'm speaking purely upon political terms. He needs to be put down. This oppressive regime of this overbearing power of police commissioners must be fought, and it must be fought hard because this is the biggest problem we have. Gun categories don't matter until we remove the police commissioner's discretionary powers and to restore the right of shooters to have the presumption of innocence. Now, if they've done anything bad enough, he needs to be charged with the crime. Because once you are charged with the crime, you have the opportunity to legally defend yourself. None of this abstract grey area where the person in question has to fork out thousands of dollars to prove his innocence rather than the state proving um, his guilt. Yeah, good point, mate. Very interesting point. Well, I'm glad, actually, when I did see you, I saw it floating around on, on Facebook. Um, I was actually going to give you a call and an email, and then you got to me first and said, hey, listen, yeah, would you be interested in doing something, which is fantastic. So you actually got to me before I got to you. So because um, I always find these cases very interesting. But, mate, we'll follow up. And, um, mate, I just hope it all works out for you. You don't spend too much money and... Uh you know, you're able to get your firearms back and uh, continue to enjoy this wonderful sport of shooting. Chris Shortis joins us here on the Australian Hunting Podcast to talk about his issues uh, with the Victorian Commission and the police. Chris, thanks for your time. Appreciate it. Thank you very much, Jason. Thanks for having me on. You've been listening to an episode of the Australian Hunting Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. See you next time.